The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Welcome to episode 117 of the Book of One podcast. It's Kevin and Shelby here. Hey, everyone. Coming at you live from the Triple C compound <laughs> in Arlington, Texas, for the time being. Yeah, we're moving. Not from Texas, though. Very likely moving cities. Yeah. Still, we're going to go like, what was it, northwest area? Yeah. Yeah, of the Metroplex. So that'll be fun. We'll get back to you when we know more. Speaking of saints relocating, that's what happens in this chapter. Oh, yeah. So chapter 26, which we discussed last week, was kind of a, a little, uh, just a, a break in the narrative, I guess. Um, Ammon decided to go on a big, long glory fest, just glorifying the Lord and his goodness and mercy toward basically those who stumble and make mistakes, but realize their mistakes. And it, it is so wonderful that we have a, a loving, forgiving Heavenly Father who provided a Savior for us in Jesus Christ. That's that's all last chapter was about, but it was a wonderful chapter. Chapter 27, here this week, we're back into, I guess, the story, if you will. And I'm just going to dive in. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, that's fine. <laughs> Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass that when those Lamanites who had gone to war against the Nephites had found after their many struggles to destroy them, that it was in vain to seek their destruction. They returned again to the land of Nephi. So just to go back, the anti-Nephi Lehi's who were the converted Lamanites, mm -hmm. they would not take up their swords to defend themselves because that was, that was how they might've, responded before they were converted unto the Lord. Correct. Right? Right. Well, their brethren in their anger went to fight the Nephites. They got their butts kicked. Uh, the Amulonites were driven like wild beasts and slain and hunted to this day, <laughs> as we learned. And the Amalekites... I think the, that's who we're talking about when it says those Lamanites who had gone to war against the Nephites. Now they're back. And in verse 2, it does address the Amalekites specifically. It came to pass that the Amalekites, because of their loss, were exceedingly angry. And when they saw that they could not seek venge, revenge from the Nephites, they began to stir up the people in anger against their brethren, the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. And they so they just can't catch a break, these converted Lamanites. Yeah. And 
they, the Lamanites, who had returned, began to destroy them. But they still don't take up arms because they're converted. Right. So they, it says, I think this is a powerful statement. It says, now this people again refused to take their arms and they suffered themselves to be slain according to the desires of their enemies. Like they were very converted. They were not going to fall back to their old ways like they would have, right, in previous times. So it's it's very, and we see that like subjection to, I would call it like, I, I don't want to say subjection, but like subjection to the Lord's will, like understanding that they are converted and to follow the Lord and become like him, that's what they have to do. And we see it throughout the rest of the chapter when um, Ammon inquires of the Lord what to do. They again say, well, you know, if he tells us to leave, we'll leave. And if he tells us to go, we'll go. Or if we stay, I guess we'll be slain. Like they just accept it. They're very like a little child, how we should become, how Christ invites us to become, um, to be like a little child, to do what the Lord says to do, even if it doesn't seem like the funnest or best thing, right? What I think is interesting about this account is that now they're being destroyed and it's not expedient like it was. So in, in a previous chapter, the Amalekites, the Amulonites, they stir up the majority of the people of, of the Lamanites. They go to war against the anti-Nephi-Lehi's and they start to kill them. And they get up to the number of a thousand and five slain. Well, at that point, there are many of them that, that are kind of pricked in their heart. And they realize, what are we doing? Like, this is not right, which um, doesn't happen this time, right. apparently. And, and that's why Ammon and his brethren go and they, they try to figure out, well, what, what should we do? Because, you know, before it was... It was almost, it was expedient. It was the Lord's will that these, these people are slain, but it caused, it was for a reason, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and that's a very hard thing to get our heads around. And we would, we would never want to, we don't want that reason <laughs> to, to impact us. Right? Yeah. Like we don't want to be the reason, <laughs> um, that somebody has to be, you know, to repent. But I guess to like maybe put it in to today's context, not being destroyed, not being slain, but just being maybe ridiculed or mocked mm -hmm. for our beliefs. If we are firm and, and meek and we don't respond with, you know, bashing of Bibles or, contending with them it can cause our enemies to pause and say hey i think what i'm doing is wrong mm -hmm. that's it, a good point it didn't really seem to make much of an effect on the amalekites in the long term but it did bring about the destruction of the amulonites so the, you know there was a fulfillment of prophecy there i guess what i'm getting at is that 
Ammon and his brethren are now much more concerned that okay, this is not this is not going to stop. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to counsel with the king of the anti Nephi Lehi's and the Lord and figure out what what's the Lord's will in this. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing to to sometimes ask like and we ask that sometimes when we read in the book of mormon where is the lord where's christ in all of this and he's there he's there he's always there and so this is what i kind of pointed out earlier when i i kind of give a preview of what was coming but um they basically like kevin said they're counseling together and the king says well this is what Ammon says to the king first. He says, like, let's gather, let us go down to Zarahemla and flee out of the hands of our enemies that we be not destroyed. And then the king says, behold, the Nephites will destroy us because of the many murders and sins we have committed against them. So Ammon had suggested going to a place where they had killed their own, they had killed these people before, like, right, the Nephites. And so the king's like, well, they're not going to take us because we've, we basically, we hurt a lot of their family members and things. So how are they going to take us back? So he has that hesitancy or I don't know what you would call it, but anyway, that's his reasoning, right? To, to maybe not leave. And Ammon says, well, I'll go and I'll ask the Lord. And, but, but first King, I need to know if we, if I ask the Lord, and he does say to go to our brethren, the Nephites, will you go? Which I think is so powerful because before he even prays, he wants to know if the king will do that. And that's something to take away in our prayers is that when we pray for something like, what's a good example that we've prayed for, but we use the phrase, but if not, um, then we're okay accepting the other outcome. So basically, when the the object of prayer is to bring your uh, God's will in line with yours, right? Like you need to align your wills. So that means you need to be willing to accept that the opposite of what you might be praying for, right? I don't know how to yeah. give an example of that. Well, but a few I times that made sense. A few times we prayed about car situations. Yes, that's a good example. It's like, hey, should we should we pay for this? costly repair knowing that the car still has a lot of issues right and so he would ask in our prayer hey you know help us make the right choice and 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 then also if we decided to go ahead and do it Mm -hmm. we'd also like if we had already kind of decided hey i think we're gonna go ahead with the repair we would ask you know Hey, please, please help. Work out. Yeah, help this work out. But if not, give us further guidance on how to deal with that and As and let, comes. let it be a lesson to us, you know? So that is a real life example of what's happening in the scriptures. I also think it's very much reminiscent of like New Testament accounts mm-hmm. when Jesus went among the people and he would ask like, do you believe that you can be healed first? Right. And then they said, yes. And then he's like, well, then rise up, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like stand up. Yeah. And it's like, there's a, there's kind of a, a test, like a litmus test 
And there's been some times where I don't pray about something because I'm not willing to accept the opposite sometimes. And that's when I, yeah. I'm, I'm just being completely honest. That's, I know I'm not ready to talk to Heavenly Father about it yet. Cause I'm, my faith isn't fully there yet, That if it doesn't work out, I'll still be okay. Cause I just think it has to be that way. Yeah. You, you're a little bit too emotionally involved. Yes. Not, you know, the logic, but here he's testing that in the King. Like I know emotionally you don't want to flee and go there because of what's happened in the past. But if the Lord tells us to, will ye go? Yeah. So he was testing him. I believe he was testing him just to kind of see his faithfulness there. And the king says, yeah, if the Lord <laughs> says that we're going to go, oh, we'll go. So he's good. He, he's ready to accept whether they stay and get slain or whether they go and still maybe get <laughs> slain in his mind. Right. Right. Um, and so Ammon goes and. Um, before. Oh, we, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Before we get there yeah. to him you know, counseling with the Lord. Um, there's a little bit of a back and forth between Ammon and the king where the king says, go, um, go and, and Pray. if the, if the Lord wants us to go, we'll go and we'll even be willing to be slaves to the Nephites because of all that we've done to hurt them. Yeah. But Ammon says, well, it's, it's actually against the law in Zarahemla. To it's, have slaves. Yeah, established by my father <laughs> that there should be any slaves, right? Yeah. And so let us rely upon the mercies of our brethren. And the king said, and he kind of like says again, just, okay, inquire of the Lord. And if he says unto us, go, we will go. Otherwise, we will perish in the land. Yeah, very faithful. And I know it sounds weird to say after this statement, otherwise we'll perish in the land. But he's ready. He's ready to accept whatever answer the Lord has coming. He's for him. saying, but if not. Right. Right. And so Ammon goes and inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says very clearly in verse 12, get this people out of this land that they perish not. For Satan has great hold on the hearts of the Amalekites, who do stir up the Lamanites to anger against their brethren to slay them. Therefore, get thee out of this land, and blessed are this people in this generation, for I will preserve them. So the Lord has seen their converted hearts, knows their intention, knows their willingness, and he's like, yeah, we're going to get them out of this land, and I'm going to preserve them. Yeah, in a way, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's have proven their faithfulness, mm -hmm. and they proved it with the 1,005 martyrs. Yeah. Right? But now, the... This is needless destruction. This death is not is not helping anyone. It, it doesn't prove anything. And so it's it's now expedient that the people are preserved. So Ammon goes and he tells the king what the Lord said, and they start to gather the people. But before I move on, I just want to share something about following the prophet because I thought about this and I thought about what if the king or there's people who, well, I shared this with Kevin this week, so help me get my words if I don't explain it right. However, they had such faith that Ammon was a prophet and could go and get an answer from the Lord for the direction of his people. And they just put all his trust in him. And we, I felt like Ammon 
understood that they probably needed to leave kind of from the beginning because of the persecution that was coming on. And he's the one that had this idea to go and leave. And so I could have, I saw this like flip side where the king could have been like, maybe if Ammon had came back with an answer and said, yes, now this is a completely different situation. Okay. But maybe he could have came back with an answer and said, well, yeah, we do need to go. But the king could have been like, if he hadn't been ready and been faithful, like we just talked about, he could have been like, well, you wanted to leave in the first place. So that was probably just your own answer and not the Lord and could have justified it, which is why I think now connecting it back, why I think that Ammon asked that question before he even prayed, will you go if I do get an answer of a yes? Now that I think about it. Well, what's interesting as well mm-hmm. is that anti-Nephi-Lehi, mm-hmm. the king, at no point does he say to Ammon, well, you need to go pray about this. Right. It's actually Ammon who offers to go and counsel with the Lord on their behalf. And so we see two things. Anti-Nephi-Lehi does have that trust and and faith in the prophet. Mm -hmm. And Ammon is a really good prophet (laughs) because he doesn't just go off of what he thinks. Right. He does check in with the Lord. Right. About his will concerning the people. And it just so happened that it was a righteous desire and their wills were aligned. Mm-hmm. A lot about prayer going on here. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So <laughs> they, they get the answer to leave. And so they gather everyone together and they depart out of the land. And it says, uh, they came into the wilderness, which divide the land of Nephi from the land of Humla, and came over near the borders of the land. And in verse 15, it says, And it came to pass that Ammon said unto them, Behold, I and my brethren will go forth in the land of Zarahemla, and ye shall remain here until we return. And we will try the hearts of our brethren, whether they shall have us come into their land, basically. So he's like, you guys wait here. Let us go to Zarahemla, and let's just figure out if they'll even let us in. This also shows that Ammon isn't just a, a sucker. Right. And we know that Ammon as well as anybody, knows the difficult past between the Lamanites and the Nephites. Because in the very last chapter, he went on to basically uh, detail the emotions between between the two people. Um, he had said that, you know, when when we first suggested that we would go down and preach among the Lamanites, our brethren in Zarahemla were like, don't you know that those people are just, they're wicked and stubborn and they're not going to listen to you? Right. (laughs) Right. But that was like a long time ago. So a lot lot of time has passed. A lot of time has passed. And something that you brought up this week, Shelby, Uh is that while Ammon and his brethren have been down in the land of Nephi Mm -hmm. among the Lamanites, preaching, Alma and Amulek have been teaching up in Zarahemla. Yeah. Softening the people's hearts, preparing them to accept and forgive. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so um, by just coincidence, right, Ammon and his brethren, they meet up with Alma on the way back up to Sarahemla. Which is kind of cool. Right. They, they, yeah, I like I like how it says in 16, it came to pass that Ammon was going forth in the land and he met his brother and Alma over in the place. And it says this was a joyful meeting. <laughs> I don't think that's a, like, I don't think there's words to describe probably how they felt, but we know it says the joy of Ammon was so great. Um, even that he was full, he was swallowed up in the joy of his God, even to the exhausting of his strength. And he fell again to the earth. Like that's a really cool meeting. <laughs> I want to reference back to Alma 17 when it was actually from Alma's perspective that he and Amulek met up with the sons of Mosiah as they were journeying thither. Hmm. And it's from Alma 17, verse 2. It said that, Therefore Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren, and what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, and they had waxed, waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently, that they might know the word of God. And if you want to go back and, and listen to our thoughts about this kind of rendezvous, I think it was a really excellent discussion that we had mm -hmm. about this reunion of missionaries. Yeah. And yeah, this is just an awesome, this is an awesome thing. Uh, that they get to experience and it's a tangent we could go on forever about but we do we did go on for it and <laughs> so go back and listen yeah go back and listen to that episode i i don't actually know off the top of my head just if... find on the 17 right oh yeah, yeah. they're they're categorized by just chapters. find on the 17 and you'll find it <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways so they meet up and they have a lot of joy yeah yeah um so where do they go from here kev what happens? Well, and I would say that we we talked about it then, but the 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 Book of Mormon actually goes on a little bit of a tangent about this joy, <laughs> right? It Ammon was exhausted of his strength because of his great joy. In verse eighteen, it seems that Mormon wants to really stress that this was a joyous occasion. He says, now was not this exceeding joy? Behold, this is the joy which none receiveth, save it be the truly penitent and humble seeker of happiness. So. Penitent means repentant. Right. Those who are, have repented yes. of their sins. And all of these brethren, Alma, uh, if, if Amulek is there, him as well. And then the sons of Mosiah, they've all kind of been a off the path, right? Mm -hmm. um, and even Alma and the sons of Mosiah fought against the church. But now they've repented of their sins, and they've gone on to become these great instruments of the Lord, <laughs> not boasting of themselves, but boasting of their God, right? Mm -hmm. And Alma, and it also says in verse 19, by the way, I think this is an interesting note that like um, the joy of Aaron and Omner and Hemni 
was truly great as well. But behold, their joy was not that to exceed their strength. And I just thought Ammon got so fired up <laughs> that he just, he, he like collapsed, right? He was so overjoyed to see his brother Alma. It's <laughs> funny. And now Alma, it says he conducted his brethren back to the land of Zarahemla, even to his own house. Which there's a couple things there. I think it's really cool that he took him back to his house, mm -hmm. right? Um, gave him a place to stay and talks to the judge, talks to the judge, the chief judge, sorry, the, the chief judge, because there's lots of judges, right? And remember, the chief judge, I don't know if it's worth, uh, I think it is worth uh saying it's Nephi, yeah, it's Nephi, ha, Nephi, ha. That guy's name that I always get wrong if I'm not really. It's almost like Nephi, ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they talk to him about all the things that, that are going on. And. He it, sends a proclamation. Yeah. Which, which is cool. Um, the chief judge sends a proclamation throughout the land desiring the voice of the people. Mm -hmm. concerning the admitting their brethren who were the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. Which is so smart, the way this is set up. Yeah. Because if one person just decides, you're like, if you just had one ruler decide, you're going to have the people who might not have agreed and like fight back and then you're setting yourself up for like failure at that point. So the fact that it's run by the people just like really shows how divinely designed this was and getting their take on, Hey, do we let them in or do we not? But what do they come to a conclusion of Kevin? Unless you have more to say about that. Well, I, I don't want to go off on like too much of a tangent, but yeah, like the fact that the democracy was established in Zarahemla and that the people have been softened by the gospel truth and the spirit um that's not that's not something that was just um just sort of happened right like the the church had to be established the lord's people had to be conducting themselves as a zion people right willing to forgive one another and work together um yeah it's i mean it's a it's it's something that you could read. I told you that I think this is a chapter that you could definitely read over and, and kind of just gloss through, but there's like, there's so many interesting things. And this is really, I mean, this is the culmination, if you will, of the last 10 chapters from chapter 17 slash 18 to now, because, um, well, even more than that, it's like, it's actually, it's kind of a halfway through the book of Alma, but everything that started from Alma one has been building up to this moment where a branch of the house of Israel, which was cast off is now being grafted back in and it's not done. Well, I was about to say it's, it's the Lord who did it a hundred percent. But the people were ready 
to be instruments in his hand. So it's really cool. So the, the voice of the people came back saying, behold, we will give up the land of Jershon, which is on, which is on the east by the sea, which joins the land bountiful, which is on the south, the south of the land bountiful. And that's the land that they'll give as an inheritance to their brethren. So they give them a whole land. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like they just say, yeah, like they can dwell with us and they can figure it out. And, you know, basically like we'll give them a, a green card, <laughs> right? We'll let them be citizens of Zarahemla. Yeah. But no, they, they actually have a, a special place, an inheritance for them to establish their own community and keep that that special community intact right yeah and what's really cool is that they even say we'll set our armies between the land jershon and the land nephi (laughs) to protect them because they've come to understand the story of the anti-nephi lehi's and they understand that they're not going to take up their arms again and like ever, they're never going to take up their arms again until they, you know, they're going to die before they do that. And uh, they send armies to protect them. And it says, and this, their great fear, or it says, well, basically it goes on to say why they're doing that because of the account um, of everything that had happened, their murders and their awful wickedness. And so it's just, it's so cool that not only did they let them in, and give them a land, but then they protect them. It's everything Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ would have done for them. Right? And and they just be- they believe it. They take the faith and the word of this story, and they let the people in. We've talked so much about the anti-Nephi-Lehi's as a converted people. I just, I don't want to miss um, that the people of Zarahemla are really a converted people as well. Because their attitude toward the Lamanites has changed tremendously for them to give them a land of their inheritance and then protect them with their own armies. All that the Nephites ask is that they give a portion of their substance to maintain the standing army that they provide, okay? Yeah. And verse 25 says, It came to pass that when Ammon had heard this, he returned to the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi and also Alma with him into the wilderness where they had pitched their tents and made known unto them all these things. And Alma also related unto them his conversion with Ammon and Aaron and his brethren. I, I thought that was cool. That They basically told each other their stories. Yeah. Which is cool. Power of stories. It caused great joy among them in verse 26. And the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi, they went and took possession of the land of Jershon. And they began from thenceforth to be called the people of Ammon. Therefore, they were distinguished by that name ever after. And I think that's cool. Uh, Maybe they realized that Anti-Nephi-Lehi was kind of a long name. (laughs) No. They loved Ammon. They loved everything that he had done for them. And so they wanted to be known by that name. (laughs) 
it also it goes on for the next two verses to really show how like yes they were distinguished by the name of Ammon but there were some other things that distinguished them that we who have been learning about them we know but Mormon puts it so beautifully it says in verse 27 and they were among the people of Nephi and also numbered among the people who were of the church of God so they become full-fledged members of the church and they were also distinguished for their zeal towards God and also towards men. And that's interesting. So zeal, right? Like a passion, right? I would even say commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Commitment towards God and also towards men. It says, for they were perfectly honest and upright in all things. They were firm in the faith of Christ, even unto the end. They did look upon shedding the blood of their brethren with the greatest abhorrence. They never could be prevailed upon to take up arms against their brethren. They never did look upon death with any degree of terror. Their hope and views of uh, of Christ and the resurrection were so great that this that all these things had had, I guess changed in them right Mm -hmm. death was swallowed up no oh i'm sorry i i got confused (laughs) here no i thought you were saying never mind it won't make sense in my brain in your guys's brain i thought you were jumping to verse 29 but you were still in verse 28 because it mentions death in both of the verses and i'm like what do you mean death you know that's in 28 that's why i said no right (laughs) anyway um but yeah they like like in uh verse i lost it i lost my thought well the the fear of death was swallowed up yes right and they again make known their commitment in verse 29 that they would they would rather suffer death it says in the most aggravating and distressing manner which could be inflicted by their brethren before they would take up the sword or scimitar to smite them so it's pretty intense actually that's what I said. They well, we know they'd rather die, right, than have to do that because they're so committed to the Lord, and because of their commitment, we see all the things that Kevin just read that distinguish them, and so it's pretty cool. And in summary, it says they were a zealous and beloved people and a highly favored people of the Lord. It's like the ultimate comeback story. <laughs> it really is, yeah. If you sum it up, because they were not doing the things at all that they should have been doing. And they completely had a change of heart and changed their lives. And now, now they're they're on the right side of the Lord and doing the things that he asked them to do. Yeah, they were able to cleave unto the gospel when it was presented to them at the right time, in the right way. And you know, that that's a great challenge for us as Latter-day Saints. Uh, especially in this particular season of the dispensation of the fullness of times. 
we have to figure out a way to preach the gospel in a manner that is conducive with those who we're preaching to, right? Based on their their history, their viewpoints, things like that. And uh, I would say that the church, uh, the missionary department, is doing just that. They've really they've really figured out, you know, over the past, I'd say what thirty years. They've got to, they got to find ways to preach the gospel more effectively and they're, they are doing it more effectively than ever. So thus we see, right? <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, I don't know if it's, I think the way that they're inviting people is more effective and their, their reach is farther, but, mm. but the preaching and the gospel, that's never the oh, principles sure. have never changed, right? But their reach is, is better. Yeah, it's more effective. Yeah. Yeah. Not a different message. Because the preaching is always done by the Spirit and the testifying. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you can you can have all the truth you want, but if you're not, if you don't reach people. You don't um, invite. Yeah. If, well, if you don't invite them and, and it's not being received, um, then... Yeah, no bueno. <laughs> but anyway, th this this is a wonderful end, uh, but it's not even the end. But it's a wonderful ending to this, I guess. Uh, Situation. Well, I say this chapter, but I kind of like, I mean like the chapter of all the story of the anti-Nephi-Lehi's who are now the people of Ammon. <laughs> um, next time in chapter 28 there's going to be some tremendous battles and there's also going to be the hand of the Lord very visibly over the next two chapters. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for Alma to glory in the Lord. <laughs> and there's going to be some, and thus we cease. Oh, for sure. Yes. As well. Yeah. So get ready. So next week, I'm definitely thinking we can we can cover chapter 28 and 29. And so we'll be back then. We'll see you next week. Bye y'all. Bye.